4: Right after hanging up with Ben, Adam Schefter tweeted out that Washington has hired Anthony Lynn as their run game coordinator, uh, per a league source. Schefter reports, commanders made a run at Anthony Lynn last year, but didn't get him this year. They got him because Lynn is close with head coach Dan Quinn and general manager Adam Peters. Anthony Lynn was the assistant head coach and running backs coach for the 49ers the last two seasons. Uh, Remember, after coaching the Chargers for four years, he was the OC in Detroit in Dan Campbell's first year before being replaced by Ben Johnson. Uh, jumping on with us right now is one of my favorite guests to have conversations about a lot of things with John Oran from Now Puck News. John was with uh, you know was with Sports Business Journal for I don't know seventeen or eighteen years uh, and left at the end of December to join Puck. You can follow him on Twitter on X at Orand Oran, O U R A N D underscore Puck. He joins us now, courtesy of our BetQL guest hotline. Bet smarter, beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. Um, so much on my list for you today. I know you were super busy. You were in Vegas all of last week, right?
5: Yeah, I, I, it's about a decade in the last week, I think, <laughs> Kevin.
4: I hope you focused on work rather than lack of sleep, meaning late nights, early <laughs> mornings. When I'm out there, it's got to be a three day max because there's about three hours of total sleep.
5: That was the worst part is that, you know for me, if you cover the business of sports, Super Bowl week is like a trade show. It's like a big convention. So I, I got out there on Wednesday, a good like six nights in Vegas. Yeah, I was ready to live.
4: Yeah, I bet. Um, all right, let's talk Super Bowl and Super Bowl numbers. We saw that it was the most watched telecast. You expected that, right, going in, that it would be the most watched telecast of all time. Um, with, By the way, at one point during the telecast, 202 million-plus watching at its high point. Uh, it averaged, as you know, 123.7 million, crushing last year's KC Philly Super Bowl. Why do you think we saw the massive bump from last year?
5: Uh, you know that th- there are a billion reasons uh, why. W- one is th- you know th- they're counting uh, uh, the uh, viewers differently. They, uh, not to get too in the weeds here, but they're starting to count like out-of-home viewers. Th- those are numbers that used to come much later, and they're counting those a, a lot earlier now. But I, I think uh, th- there there are two main reasons. Is I always I-, I view the Super Bowl and the playoffs. As really that the, the entire season is a, is a television season and you, you have the start, the middle, and it leads to the end and the ratings were up throughout the, throughout the entire season. And it just, it, it added, people wanted to see how these plots uh, uh, ended up uh, finishing. And so that really helped. So when, when you saw uh, playoff ratings were up, like 10%, you know, you kind of figured that that was going to carry over to the Super Bowl uh as well um there uh, really don't discount taylor swift it added in this entirely new fan base it, it didn't create huge numbers but like enough to sort of uh, help this squeak over to become a can you a, i most, mean is there a way to quantify that uh there there are i haven't seen i haven't seen these yet but you can uh, bet that uh the uh, female demographics and the the younger demographics are going to be up huge on on this game I, I would think I haven't seen those numbers but that that would track with pretty much every Kansas City game that uh, that that's been played this season and also as as like a final thing on the Super Bowl sure I mean it's it's an it's an overtime game with you know right. I think by now Patrick Mahomes and uh, Travis Kelsey are bona fide uh, stars along the lines of like you know Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre or whoever but but beforehand so they've been in the Super Bowl like three of the last forty years and all of that sort of uh, conspired to it to be an all time record.
4: By the way, I I usually keep track of these things. Did the overall game length go past four hours from kickoff?
5: Oh, you know what? I have no idea. I, that, that, that's a good question. I, it, it was it was right up uh, on there because it, it went through the the entire uh, quarter, of the, the entire fifteen minutes of overtime. But I, I, I don't know what the actual length was.
4: I mean, it's very rare, as you know. It's not totally unusual for a college game to reach four hours. Um. Uh, it's but it's very rare. I, I doubt it's happened in a long time. I I meant to go check that. It should be in the game book, um, where they have the actual uh, length of the game. But man, it was a long night, but also a thrilling night over the final hour, hour and a
5: half. What you know, about wide numbers, John? That What'd it's you say? That you bring, I said it's funny that you bring that up because every everybody is trying to, to make their games shorter because they, they they think that that's what's going to bring in. Younger fans. I mean, you're the, that's why baseball has started the pitch clock, and you know, everything is about getting shorter. But those four-hour college football games, four, four and a half hour, the ratings at the end are much bigger than at the beginning. And if you watch, uh, other than the halftime show where you always have a spike, the ratings for the Super Bowl, it, uh, it, even even if it went four hours, it get they get much much higher at the end for obvious reasons.
4: Well, they did. Uh, they did something before the college football last season last year to try to address the length of the games, which was to eliminate the stoppage of the clock on first downs until the final two minutes of of, of the half and the game. Which you know didn't. I don't think it impacted it a lot. It impacted it somewhat. By the way, I just I, I just pulled it up on, in the NFL game book, the official game book. The length of the game on Sunday night was four hours and six minutes. There you go. I guarantee you that is the longest Super Bowl ever and I would bet you it's one of the longest NFL games ever. Even when you see a long overtime regular season game, which by the way is 10 minutes, you know, not a 15-minute clock, you know, it'll stretch to 3 hours and 40 minutes sometimes, 3 hours and 45 minutes, over 4 hours, 4 hours and 6 minutes.
5: Wow. And if you if you talk to any TV executive if they could mandate that the Super Bowl goes 4 or 5 hours, <laughs> (laughs) I I used to complain about the length of college uh, football games to TV executives. And they used to say, like, if we could get Alabama-Auburn for 10 hours, we would. (laughs) So uh, this isn't coming necessarily from TV, which which, uh, wants to show as much live football as it can.
4: You know, what's crazy about that, and I know we've had this conversation before, I'm with you on college football games I mean, you'd get a three thirty kick and the game would be it would be seven, you know, it'd be seven fifteen and your seven o'clock games have already started and it, it's bleeding into it. The twelve o'clock games, bleeding into the three thirty games. I've always felt like they had to do something, which they did. On the flip side, college basketball games are over some of those tournament games that are officiated loosely without a lot of whistles are over in an hour and fifty minutes. I don't think it's enough product
5: yeah that that that's, anything the, the general rule is that they want to have it under other than football which is its own case but they want to get it under 2 hours the nba college basketball all even baseball that that that's sort of a magic uh point that that, that the leagues and the networks have uh, taken a look at they think that's the perfect length to draw in young, younger uh, people and have people watching longer
4: um yeah, I mean we've seen that in the NFL for years and uh, with the NFL it really doesn't matter um as you said. So I'm curious about the worldwide numbers. Because you know, during the course of this game we saw shots of people watching the game in every, you know, all these different countries. What is what does the NFL do worldwide on Super Bowl Sunday? Do you know?
5: Yeah, I don't have specific numbers, but it's a uh, it, it, it this is a great you're watching the uh, the NFL um expand into Mexico. They have games in Mexico, Germany, England. Uh, they're t- doing whatever they can to, uh, to internationalize. And part of the reason that they want to do that is that the growth domestically is like they're, they're at a ceiling. So like, I know they just set a record for Super Bowl viewership, but it wasn't that much higher than, than it used to be. So the only way to, to really grow the game is to get them in, into these different markets. So, the idea of taking this big game, uh, you know, with big stars and halftime shows and every, and, and, and really marketing that internationally—that's a big priority for the league. So if, if those numbers—I uh, I don't know have the specific numbers right in front of me, Kevin—but I, I know that they were very happy with the international numbers. And if they weren't big, that would be a big egg on the face of the, of the league. because it's a total priority to uh, to get out and market that internationally.
4: What I was curious about, and you may not have this off the top of your head, but how short is the is the NFL's Super Bowl to a World Cup final? I know the World Cup final is the behemoth of all sports, you know, worldwide television events. But is it does the World Cup final draw more than a billion viewers worldwide?
5: uh, I don't have the number in front of me, but it, it's basically the Super Bowl in every other country. So I, I, whenever we, we talk about CBS setting a record, I, I'm always very anal about saying it's a U.S. television record right. as opposed to a television record. Because the World Cup final and, and even the semis are, they get, get preposterous numbers internationally.
4: You know what I always uh, – I, I don't talk about this a lot, but I, I think it's so interesting – Especially if you ever spend time anywhere else outside of this country, and you're in a conversation with somebody about sports, they don't get two things. They don't get why we don't watch soccer, and then they don't get the popularity of college sports, which is very uniquely American. You know that that is the biggest head scratcher for so many um, sports fans in other countries. Is really uh, the, the biggest crowds go to college games. We really are unique from a sports consumer standpoint versus the rest of the world.
5: Yeah, over in England, they always laugh. Like, the, who? What media company would pay for Oxford versus Cambridge rowing? You know, the, the crew over there, which is a sort of a big thing that nobody really, really even cares about. Uh, that, it, it, that, that's a huge part, as, as you know, of, of, of uh, U.S. television. I mean, the numbers for that ESPN paid for you know the women's tournament, and the rest of the. Uh, NCAA rights show that um and it doesn't exist anywhere else in the country
4: um all right one more on the Super Bowl and I want to get to some other things so what did you what did you think of Romo and Nance in this game
5: um I it, it I thought they I thought they struggled to be honest I I thought that uh uh, I, even that, that, that final call, it was uh, I thought Nance did a really good job with the call, and then Romo just jumps uh, into him. Uh, Romo starts thoughts and doesn't finish them sometimes. And, you know, I, I just uh, uh, I, I found that uh, to be uh, a frustrating watch, especially in the seven. half.
4: What is CBS going to do about this Romo issue? Because it's become an issue.
5: I, it's becoming an issue. I think that there are hardcore fans like uh, like you and and people listening to your show that probably you know are are, are done. Uh, what CBS really does like about Romo is that you know he conveys this excitement around the game. He shows his excitement as he sort of uh, is uh, talking about different things on, that are happening on the field. And if you're a, a casual fan, or if you, or if you're not a fan, you instantly sort of, uh, you, you, you uh, identify with that and, and, and you respond to that and, and it works for them. So I, I don't think that they, uh, actually, it's not that I don't think, I know CBS doesn't necessarily view this as an issue yet, although we're getting close to what I consider to be sort of Jason Witten territory where, you know, Jason Witten wasn't that bad. He just he, he just had had a poor start and then every every single time he messed up, Twitter or, uh, or, or Facebook or everything just would explode and it just kind of fed upon itself. And I think we're getting close to that point.
4: Yeah, although this would be the opposite because Roma was actually super popular to start. And then it became more clear, I think, to people who were paying attention that this guy doesn't prepare for these games and there are certain things he doesn't know. I actually, John, thought, and I made a note of it during the game, I felt like he was more prepared than I had heard him at any point during the season, as he should have been for the Super Bowl, um, and that it wasn't a terrible uh, Tony Romo performance. do you think that they should have done a better job, uh, whether it was Nance Romo uh, graphically or otherwise, explaining the new overtime rules going into that overtime?
5: No, I thought they did a fine job. I, I, I was watching it, and they they explained everything that was going to happen. And I, I guess people weren't necessarily listening to it. Maybe maybe in terms of graphics they could have, but that that's one area I've seen those complaints. I, I I don't agree with them. I I think that like I don't know much how much more they could do other than having I think it was Romo that was, was sort of walking everybody through what what was going to happen at, in, in overtime. I think the one thing that I would change though, Kevin, is they had the uh, at at the end of the game, uh, the the Chiefs scored with what like uh, seven seconds with left. three
4: seconds to go.
5: Three seconds yes, to go. they didn't need to have that clock up on the screen because I think that what what created confusion. Is okay. What three seconds left to what? I mean, it, 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 the game. That's is that was really what lot. I
4: was getting at. Is I I I think a lot of people didn't understand what was going on. Why isn't Andy Reid calling timeouts? You can't take the clock off the screen. I mean, it's a fixture on the screen. And I think actually Romo didn't know, but then was told to, to kind of try to explain it that hey, this is just going to be the end of a quarter, not the end of the actual game they're not you know they're not gonna let the clock run out and lose by three <laughs> hurry up hurry but it up. was yeah. i guarantee you it was it was very I, i've read some things where there's no doubt it was odd for a lot of even even hardcore football fans who didn't understand that that the first uh you know a 15 minute overtime period in postseason is like a first quarter in a game
5: yeah playing monday morning quarterback i i really i would have like the clock didn't matter. Like if it ended, they just changed sides of the field. So I, I, I would have taken that off. Cause I think that that's what created uh, all of the confusion. Cause yeah. it, it was, it was essentially an untimed, um, uh, untimed drive or uh, untimed untimed overtime.
4: Yeah. Yeah. It's timed only because of the flip of the field, which, you know, matters outdoors with wind or, you know, whatever. Um, all right. One, one more about broadcast booths. So we get Brady as the number one next year, right? With Burkhart and what happens to olson on fox uh
5: we don't know yet uh olson is is either going to become the uh number 2 uh, analyst on fox or uh maybe something's going to op- open up i mean maybe uh m- maybe something opens up with roma with cbs or uh, with collinsworth at nbc um, uh potentially even uh kirk Cur- Herbstreet over at uh uh, on Amazon. If there's a number uh, if there's another number one slot that's open, Olsen can, can uh, go and get that. Um but uh, uh, th- that's there's there's a lot of room to go be- before that happens.
4: Do you think I mean I think in many ways he benefited from being compared to Tony Romo from football fans. How good do you think Greg Olsen really is? Is oh, he a I'm number 1? Into- I-
5: I'm in the bag for Olson. I, I think that he explains things well. I think when Olson uh, when Olson does a game, I learn something every time, and I, I don't think I can say that with with Romo. I think he sees the game uh, really well. The the one thing that I worry about Olson is is that uh, again, like hardcore football fans, like like you or the people listening right now, that they they uh, primarily like Olson. It, it, does he have enough of that personality or enough of that sort of excitement that Romo shows to to make casual fans want to want to come in and watch? That's the only possible thing that I see. But I, I certainly see him as the number one analyst. He did the Super Bowl last year, and I thought thought did, did a very very good job.
4: I mean, in mentioning what you did, you know, Romo, Collinsworth, Herb Street, is there a chance that one of those three isn't in that position next year?
5: I, 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 that, to, that would be total speculation. I've uh, okay. I've heard nothing about uh, about any of them leaving, but and, and, and these are jobs. These are almost like Supreme Court positions. Once you get in once you get in them, people don't want to leave them. Uh, uh, so I, I I have no ac- actually inside knowledge on that, but you know you never know.
4: What would be your preference if I told you one of the three: Romo, Collinsworth. Uh, Herb Street left and Olsen replaced with either Michaels, Tarico, or Nance. What would be your preference?
5: Um, that's a good question. Uh, probably, probably Nance. I, I just think the, the, the Nance Roma thing is uh, it, uh, it, like, like you said to, to start off. Uh, I, I think Nance is a really good play-by-play person, and I it, like. I think he. he was helpful initially in terms of getting Tony Romo um, as uh, popular as he was. But having Romo, like, talk over his calls, I mean, that has to be frustrating for him. I, I just think somebody like uh, like Olsen is much more of a professional broadcaster. He sort of, like, knows the, the ins and outs of it. I mean, he grew up in, in Jersey listening to, to the fan up there. So, like, he uh, you know, like he, he's a sports media sort of – Savant of sorts. I, I thought, but that's the one that I would pick
4: for him. We're talking to John Orand, who's with Puck now. um Follow him on X at Orand underscore Puck. P u c k. Just in thinking, and I didn't intend to ask you this, but just in thinking about what we just laid out, man, I don't know that anybody's taken a bigger beating over the last two years. If it, you know, maybe Romo, but number two would be Al Michaels who i as a hardcore fan and you know a broadcasting junkie i think he's lost his fastball and has for the last 2 years but he's back doing amazon thursday night games with as as of now because he's under contract right
5: yeah let me speak in defense of, of al is I, I think if you look at this as a television production al has that Big game voice. Where if he does. I hear his voice, I'm going to want to uh, tune in and watch. And, and I, that, that's something that uh, TV executives and, and Amazon executives really like about him. So you know, it, is he as uh, as good as he was a decade ago? Probably not. But I'll tell you what, I still like. I, there's a comfort in hearing that voice. Like when, when that voice comes on, I'm going to want to watch. So I, I, I give I, I give a lot of uh, uh, rope to Al in terms of that.
4: Who's your all-time big comforting NFL play-by-play voice? I think there's an easy answer for me.
5: Uh, I'm curious to get yours. I uh, Al Al's up there for me, but uh, it, it's come full circle because he used to get killed. I, I love Joe Buck. I love listening to, listen to Joe, Joe Buck call a game. I'm going to. I'm talking that about all time. I'm gonna, I'm oh yeah, Some, Summerall,
4: Summerall for me is number one in yeah, terms yeah. of just kind of that. The tone, the gravitas, the brevity, as you said, the comforting big voice, I mean, it was, it was Pat for all of those years, more than Enberg, more, more than Gifford, more than Gowdy, you know, going way back. I think it was Pat, number one all time.
5: Yeah, I, but anyway. I mean, Pat would, Pat would be on my short list for certain, but but i tell you what, Joe Buck has been doing this since 1996. It's a, crazy. A, a, a crazy long career for that guy.
4: By the way, you know, one of the things that Jim Nance said at the beginning of the Super Bowl is that this was only his seventh Super Bowl that he called, and it was Romo's third. That seemed that, that was a disconnect for me. I would yeah, have thought
5: that that surprises me as well. I would say I would think that, that Nance would have had a lot without Romo. Him and Sims must have done it more than four times, right? That's what I would have thought
4: for sure. Um all right. Uh Tell us about the Caitlin Clark impact on you know television numbers for women's college basketball.
5: Um, I, you know it's more than just Kate, Caitlin Clark. Uh, I think I think what she does is is, uh, is phenomenal. But I think women's college basketball and, um, and like Angel Reese down in LSU and, and actually some of these coaches. Uh, I it's um, look I watched when uh, um, did you watch when she played uh, against Maryland? I did. And watching the men's team this year, I mean that was so much more exciting. They go up and down the court. They actually make their shots. I mean, it was uh I, I think that uh, uh, you were asking about the ratings, and whenever Caitlin Clark plays, uh, whatever TV network gets her gets over a million viewers, which for especially for women's college basketball is an enormous number. I, I know that uh, uh, Peacock has gotten a bunch of her games and, and put them behind the paywall there, which. Uh, uh, some of their executives have said, like, really has helped in terms of of getting some subscribers to Peacock. But uh, uh, it, it, I, I think it's it's more than C- Caitlin Clark is the, certainly the star. But there's a there, there there's something happening with women's college basketball that I'm, I'm curious to see what happens for the uh, for the tournament and how that how that does on television.
4: D- is it impacting the WNBA at all?
5: Uh, n- not yet. But like the, the, these these players are going to go to the WNBA, and so they're developing a following now. Uh, I mean, it just feels like I'm, I'm not the first one to say this, but it feels like a magic bird sort of situation. And as they go up, it, it could, uh, it will, it will certainly have to benefit the, uh, the WNBA.
4: Well, there there is a case to be made, right, for both Reese and Clark. Or I think it's Clark specifically who has the option. I, I don't know if if Reese does or not. For her to go back to Iowa for a COVID year?
5: Yeah, I, I can't. I can't imagine she would do that. I would imagine she would want to go pro and and uh, and, and start to make money with the WNBA. Well, she's making big things.
4: money, isn't she? Through NIL, I mean, you see her on all these commercials now.
5: She's making good money. She would make better money on, on, on the WNBA. I'm she sure. would. It's not like it's not like all those uh, people that are sponsoring her now would all of a sudden turn their back on her when she goes out uh, when she goes pro. Right.
4: Um, Tell me if my my sense on this is right. College basketball, men's college basketball, I feel has become is just becoming almost exponentially year to year less popular. Am I right or wrong?
5: Um, I don't have stats to to show you, and I think you and you and I are both watching a Maryland team this year that's sort of making us feel that way. Maybe, Uh, but I I I, uh, I equate it with. What I just said about the the women's game, where you can people in Iowa have watched Caitlin Clark grow from her freshman year to the sophomore year to the junior year and and that that gets people to watch more uh in in the men's game, you have one and dones you have the transfer portal, and it's uh you never know who you're gonna uh, be cheering for. The next the next year, and it's uh it it makes it hard for coaches to get sort of cohesive team uh, team play uh, going, and it makes it hard for fans to to even know who you're cheering for out there. So I, uh
1: the
5: the ratings for the uh, the NCAA tournament, I think they've they haven't been down, but they haven't they haven't risen like we've seen like with the NFL or with college football uh, recently. So there could be something to that, but I. In terms of answering that question, I just pointed the women's game, which is seeing huge ratings games, uh, uh, and and the men's the men's game is not following that. All
4: right, two more, and I'll let you run. You're always so generous with your time. I um,
5: <laughs> I, I have not forever, followed. And I love it.
4: I I've not followed, nor do I know the significance of that big Fox, ESPN, etc. streaming announcement last week. Can you just? kind of explain it as if people don't know anything about it and the impact it'll have.
5: If you're a sports fan and you have cut the cord, uh, you don't subscribe to cable, or if you've never subscribed to cable, uh, you're going to have an option for probably between 40 to $50 a month to, to uh, buy a service that has all of the ESPN channels that has Fox and FS1, and then has all of the Turner channels as well. And, uh, and so you'll be able to see all the sports that you want. Uh, it's it's called sort of a sports streamer. And what's significant about this, Kevin, is, is uh, like uh, everybody complains that that you know, the poor soccer fans, you know, have to subscribe to ten different streaming services to see all their games. And if, if you're a baseball fan, you have to have a Peacock subscription, an Apple uh, TV subscription. Uh, you've got to subscribe to cable and you have, have broadcast TV. Th- this is the first step to, toward sort of uh, what they say, the great rebundling and getting every, uh, all the sports, you know, for, for one, for one fee. Uh, uh, it's not going to be all the sports cause they don't have CBS and NBC or right. Apple or, or Amazon. But it's a, if you consider it sort of the first step towards that, that's, that's sort of uh, what it is.
4: So what is the reaction from like, let's start with the NFL because CBS isn't a part of it. NBC is not a part of it.
5: So, so the, the, the reaction has been brutal for the for the uh, networks, uh, because the, the, all the network executives, they signed these NDAs, non-disclosure agreements, yeah. to where they couldn't talk about it. And so they, the NFL is used to knowing everything the second it happens and not getting a heads up on this announcement from two of its biggest partners and ESPN and Fox made them uh, more than a little bit irritated. So. Uh, you know, people are looking into it. I, I think that there, there's a lot of bluster now that's uh, that's not going to pay off. But right now, it's great for me, and it's great for my column because it gives me reams of copy to write. <laughs> but ulti- ultimately, I, I, I don't think this is really going to matter one way
4: or another. All right. Um, n- back to the NFL. Next year, you know, after the Thursday night, you know, kickoff at Arrowhead again, um, there's a Friday night game in Brazil. So not only did last year they take on essentially college football on the day after Thanksgiving, but it was, you know, it's Black Friday. It's considered to be, you know, a holiday. Now they're going head-to-head with college and high school football on a Friday night to open up the season. So is the longstanding stay away from competing with high school football on Friday and college football on Saturday, is that, is that just over and the NFL is going to do what they want to do?
5: Um, yes and no. I mean, th- th- this is this is certainly part of the creep there. And w- one of the things is, you know, the antitrust exemption that the, the right. Congress all, always holds over uh, the NFL's head—they don't care about that anymore. They they, they were t- tired of uh, sort of being held hostage by that, and so they they sort of made moves to where that doesn't matter a- a- as much anymore. And and so you know, if they're able to do this. They're going to start to creep a little bit more, but. Even off the record, if you talk to any NFL executive, that's still in place. They still don't want to step on, uh, p- particularly high school. College, I think, they, they, they don't care about as much. But the, the, the Friday night games, I think that this is something that's unique for the beginning of the season and unique for, uh, for actually going down to uh, Brazil for the first time.
4: All right, last one, and it, it's really off the subject here, but I was actually saving this for you this week because I got a lot of – tweets uh, after the Super Bowl, and I haven't talked about it, but I'm curious as to whether or not you have a sense of whether or not the tomahawk chop and the, you know, kind of the open mocking um, of Native Americans by Chiefs fans, which we saw on Super Bowl Sunday, and we've seen it on Super Bowl Sunday. Obviously, this is, you know, a complaint that comes from, you know, a longtime Washington, you know, Redskins fan, but to me, the hypocrisy, the... The you know the, the the pretense here, it's stunning to me. is there is there going to be any push from the NFL to try to get that, you know, eliminated
5: or not? Look, as a long term Washingtonian, I to, uh, a lifelong Washingtonian, I totally get what you're saying. Uh, the chiefs have been in three of the last four Super Bowls. the The league hasn't done anything about it to date. Uh, I would be gobsmacked if, uh, if if they end up doing anything with this. I I, I don't see any sort of pressure or uh, or will to, to to try to mandate that with uh with the team or its it fans.
4: Amazing. Um. All right. Great job as always. I love the conversation with you. Uh, hope the move went well. Rooting for you. I'll talk to you soon.
5: Thanks, man. Take care.
4: Yep. John Orand. Everybody at Orand underscore puck uh several of you sent me you know tweets after the game why didn't you include you know in your recap of the game on monday the tomahawk chop look it's not like we haven't talked about it in the past but yeah when they came out and you had the tomah- tomahawk chop during the introductions yeah there's an incredible hypocrisy there's an incredible sort of you know insincerity, really, overall, um, as it relates to why that, but not the other. That's that's not debatable. It's an open mocking of Native Americans. Now, do I think it should be eliminated? I think it's up to Native Americans to decide that. But I guarantee you they have a bigger problem with that poll-wise than they did with the name here. All right. Uh, Denton's News next. Kevin Sheehan Show, the Team 980 and the Team
1: 980.
0: Call from Mom. Answer it.
4: Hitting the news you might have missed, it's Denton's Daily News. All right, Denton,
6: what do you got? All right, we got a bunch of different things to get into, but I want to start with some sad news. You and I had a conversation about Pop-Tarts a couple weeks ago, I think it was. Well, Bill Post, the inventor of Pop-Tarts, passed away yesterday at 96 years old. RIP to the legend. (laughs) Oh my God! Well, I'm not laughing because he passed away. I'm just laughing
4: that this is a story for you. I think it's fu- I think it's great. That gives us a chance to talk about Pop-Tarts.
3: More Pop Tarts. But Tarts Bill, but
4: But Bill Post, obviously, was he the Post that you know started all of the breakfast cereals? And I don't even. I mean, is Total? I used to I used to like Total a lot. It, that's Post, right? Bro, I'm 28. I don't need Total. Kellogg's Post. They're the biggest. <laughs> breakfast cereal and i guess pastry makers um uh love pop tarts uh rest in peace bill post yeah I mean, uh, but what i'm you don't have an answer was he the was he the old man that started all of this or was he the son of the old man that started this i mean we are 96 so he's 96 born in 96 is old yeah he's born in 2028 um
6: yeah uh, 1928 okay. that is that's what I said, nineteen twenty eight. You said twenty twenty eight. So but I'm Oh no,
4: no, I'm sorry. I meant he was born in twenty in twenty-eight. Um nineteen twenty eight. Yeah. Uh I wonder what when post started. Yeah, um, he
6: was um he was approached by Kellogg's executives at uh, Keebler Company in nineteen sixty three with a new breakfast pastry idea. That's when Top tarts started. Yeah.
4: Sixty three. Wow. It's a long time. I still think that you know cinnamon brown sugar is up there the chocolates um I think the s'mores for the for those of you that haven't had it really good um as a kid I was strawberry frosted strawberry unfrosted cinnamon brown sugar and chocolate pop tarts which were always
6: awesome I'm still fascinated you're I consider you to be a very smart man the weirdest take you have is liking unfrosted pop tarts
4: Unfrosted strawberries good. Unfrosted uh, raspberry's good. I'm not saying that I don't like the frosted, but that is double the sugar if you're counting, you know, <laughs> the sugar content. And they're still pretty good. Now, here's the thing: toasted or untoasted?
6: That depends on the flavor. If it's what a, flavor it's, is
4: okay untoasted?
6: I don't need to toast a strawberry pop tart hmm that's why i need the sugar on it. that's why i need the icing on it so that, like i can if i were to walk to a vending Too machine dry, yeah without we, it. we have one right right around the corner i could go grab a strawberry pop-tart sit here and eat it fine so that one i don't think needs to be toasted i think brown sugar cinnamon is way better toasted i think most of the chocolate ones are better toasted and my favorite one which is cookies and cream is you have to toast that one
4: i'm looking to see if there's any information there's got to be information right on the top movers like the top sellers, I would think brown sugar, cinnamon, and strawberry are at the top of the list.
6: Yeah, because you can find them literally everywhere. Like if you're going, if you're at a vending machine at Union Station, getting Detroit, going, getting ready for a train ride to New York, the vending machine there has strawberry or brown sugar pop tarts, guaranteed.
4: Yeah, let's see if we can find that information. Top sellers. I haven't found top sellers, that...
6: but I've found uh top rankings and flavors.
4: Yeah, but that's a popularity thing, right? Yeah. Well, it might it might equal the sales. I'd love to see what the sales are. I would bet we're probably right though. Cinnamon, brown sugar, strawberry, because you do see those in, in every uh I don't see vending machines very often anymore. I I don't think that there's a pop tart you can eat not toasted because you want that filling to be warm and gooey and it's just much better that way. I I haven't had a Pop-Tart in forever. I don't know why I'm talking about Pop-Tarts, but I used to love Pop-Tarts. And when the kids were young, they were always in the house. Always Pop-Tarts in the house.
6: That's why I don't have a toaster in my apartment. You don't have a toaster? I don't have a toaster because I would go crazy with cookies and cream Pop-Tarts. I have like an air fryer or an oven, but I don't have a toaster. Mm-hmm. If I need to toast bread, I, I pan fry it because that's what Gordon Ramsay told me to do.
4: It certainly looks like, like on all these rankings of popular pop tarts, strawberry and brown sugar cinnamon are one and two.
6: Yeah, in some order. And I would say s'mores, as far as popularity goes, s'mores, s'mores is, so is probably three.
4: You know what? You could actually eat a s'mores pop tart untoasted, but it's much better toasted.
6: Much better toasted. You I'm trying to think care... seriously.
4: The last time I had a pop tart, it's probably been a couple of years. It's not been like ten years or five years. It's been a couple of years, though.
6: Here's a here's a poll question for you. Do you yeah. ra- would our listeners rather hear us do another segment about the monumental move or ranking the best Pop-Tarts, Pop-tarts flavors?
4: Pop-Tarts for sure. <laughs> We could do a call segment on Pop-Tarts. All right, what else do
6: you have? All right, so I don't know if you paid any attention to this, but there's been a, a weird back and forth between the Philadelphia Eagles players and San Francisco 49er players. Eagles players kind of trash-talking San Francisco. San Francisco's giving it back. But it's taken a really weird turn with Jalen Carter of the Eagles and uh, John Feliciano, who is an offensive lineman for uh, the San Francisco 49ers. in the in the game, didn't he? He, he did. Um, but there's been a lot of back and forth about – Uh, Jalen Carter saying that John Feliciano made a joke about the crash uh, that he was a part of at Georgia that resulted in the death of a teammate. And then Feliciano got to Twitter and said, you said that you were going to murder my family when we were playing three times. So that's fun. Don't you love a good, friendly trash talk between these two teams? I'm
4: not following this. Um, So who started it? So is is Feliciano saying in their games and their matchups – Jalen Carter was, you know, saying, I'm going to murder your family during
6: a game. Yeah, trash during talking. the game. And then Feliciano. it seems like over
4: over the line
6: trash talking. I, I would I would agree with that. And then Feliciano's retort apparently was a joke about the car crash. Hmm. And that now it's getting exposed on social media, but like willingly exposed because for whatever reason, Jalen Carter brought it up. And then once Jalen Carter brings it up, Feliciano was like, no, you actually said you were going to murder my family and kids.
4: I'll tell you what, this year, specific to the Eagles, have we seen a team go from where they were to kind of being just not even part of the conversation faster than they did from 10 and 2 or 10 and 1? They were 10 and 1, right? Yeah. And it just, and by the way, all of a sudden, lots of questions about 2024 when they were at one point just, you know, call it two and a half months ago. Uh, thought to be the best team in football, or certainly among the two or three best in football.
6: Which, by the way, we didn't discuss this – I don't think we discussed this yesterday, but Hassan Redick has asked and been given permission to seek a trade. Yeah. He was their best – I would say he was their best defensive player when they uh, made it to the Super Bowl uh, two years ago.
4: He was up for Defensive Player of the Year. Look, they've done a good job in the coordinator hiring, at least based on name, Kellen Moore and Vic Fangio, coming in to replace – um, Brian Johnson and Sean Desai, uh, which was, you know, better, I guess for, for Philly than firing Sirianni after they got destroyed by Tampa in the playoff game and, you know, lost six out of their last seven or five out of their last, last six, whatever it was. You know, it's, it's the NFC East at one point this year, it was like, wow, Philly and Dallas. Whoo. these are two of the three best teams in the, in the conference, two of the best four or five in the NFL I mean, how many weeks in a row did we have certainly Philly at the top or near the top of our power rankings, Dallas pushing them all year long, and there are major question marks with both teams heading into next year. All right, what else?
6: All right, final thing here. We have a, a college basketball line today I or tonight this. that stinks. This is a stanky line. IUPUI, who is six and 6-20, this is mid-level action. IUPUI, who is six and 6-20, is on the road against the Detroit Mercy, who are 0-26, but the Detroit Mercy are five-and-a-half-point favorites tonight.
4: So Sands, um, Steve Sands, Golf Channel, NBC, uh, Tim Murray, who worked here at the station, uh, does a show for the Visa Network out in Vegas. We're on a group text because we're degenerates. I'm on a couple of those different, but early this morning, I got a text, Detroit Mercy, 0-26, and they're a a five-and-a-half-point favorite tonight. Uh, Yeah, uh, this is a uh, get-to-the-window-don't-ask-questions-just-lay-the-points-with-Detroit-Mercy. I had, by the way, I didn't mention this. I don't think I mentioned this. You and I had no talked about it off the air, but Texas Tech was a four-point favorite the other night over Kansas. Uh, who was the sixth-ranked team in the country, and they destroyed Kansas. College hoops always has so many of these, you know, games that fit the the smell test, you know, uh, handicapping theory, and um, they work. They work a lot, man. I don't know. I've, for entertainment purposes only, you can't even watch the game except you can stream it somewhere. I'm sure, um, but Detroit Mercy is 0 and twenty-six. That's the team's record. Um, But uh, they've had closer games here recently. They've been playing better. They've actually covered in their last two uh, pretty easily. Um, So...
5: coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at TMobile.com.
2: As we turn the corner into the new year, a lot of people are looking to get healthier. That includes Hero Bread, who have just launched their new recipe using heart-healthy olive oil. Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, That's code H-E-R-O-10 for 10% off at Hero.co.
4: Been coming, playing better against IUPUI, um, which is Indiana-Purdue um, University. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I think IUPUI. so. Yeah, I think it's a combination of Indiana and Purdue. Right? Is that what IUP? I mean, I, wait, those re- aren't those like hated rivals? I don't know. I have no idea. Look, I've bet
6: games involving these teams a lot over the years. You are correct, though. It's Indiana University, Purdue University, Indianapolis. Yeah, Yeah. Indianapolis, right.
4: All right, anything else?
6: That's all I got for you.
4: All right. Uh, So there was a story yesterday uh, that got some legs because of some odds that were put out on you-know-who's 2024 team. Uh, we will discuss who the favorite to land you-know-who is next. Kevin Sheehan Show, the Team 980 and team 980com Cold weather here uh, to stay for a while, maybe some snow this weekend. It's frosty, it's freezing, it must be February in the DMV. If you finally had enough of the frigid drafts, coming through your windows, and the frustration of higher and higher heating bills, it's time to fight that cold with quality replacement windows from Window Nation. This month only, which means you've only got another 15 days, you can replace your windows and save big with 50% off on all window styles, plus zero down zero interest and no payments For two full years. Their professional installation teams have over 10 years of experience on average. Plus, they can install your new windows in one day or less. Those windows, they come with a lifetime warranty. With proven quality and service, it's no wonder thousands of homeowners have trusted Window Nation for their homes. You can too. Don't miss out. 50% off on any style window. Zero money down, zero interest, and no payments required for 24 months. You can't afford to wait if you've been thinking about new windows. It's easy. Call them at 866-90-NATION or head to WindowNation.com to schedule your free in-home estimate you mention my name you get a free in-home estimate that means you've got nothing to lose uh just if you've been thinking about windows just please take my advice give them the first shot um you know if you don't like the deal if you don't like the offer and you shop it and you find something better if go for it but just to give offers so there's been news this morning and and maybe, you know, the most significant news since the hiring of the coordinators for Washington. Washington and Adam Schefter broke this last hour is hiring Anthony Lynn uh, to be the running backs coach, uh, running, you know, game coordinator. You know, this is a, you know, this is a head coach of many years. You know, he coached in, in with the Chargers for four seasons You know, they got to that playoff year when they won, had a chance to win the division in 2018. Uh, Rivers and company had a big win late in the season uh, against the Chiefs, lost to the Patriots after winning a wild card game, lost to the Patriots in a divisional round game. Um, And, you know, this guy's been always desired, you know, going back to, uh, you know, when he was in Buffalo, became the interim coach uh, for a brief period of time, and he's been in San Francisco the last couple of years. So, look, you've got on the staff right now, you've got two former head coaches along with Quinn. You've got guy in Johnson who was sought after potentially as a head coaching candidate, um, certainly as an OC candidate. So, I don't know. I, there's a lot fit about why they're here or where they are, but I... I view what what Dan Quinn's putting together right now is incredibly valid and trustworthy. Um, it's professional. I think this is a big reason why, from the very beginning, Dan Quinn was a possibility to be the head coach here. They were always going to take you through the thorough, meticulous, well thought out process. You know, they were going to wait, given that the time. Uh, the the time constraints because several of the candidates that they had interest in were in the postseason, and they couldn't interview them right away. But I think from the jump, it wasn't just leadership. It was the presentation of a plan that said, we're going to put together a first-rate staff here, and that is crucial. I had a first-rate staff in Atlanta. We're going to have a first-rate staff here as well. And it'd be hard to look at Washington's staff in the making and say, yeah, they're just hiring a bunch of friends. They're just hiring a bunch of guys that can't get gigs anywhere else. Not true. Anthony Lynn's a legitimate, big-time coach to have on your staff as a coordinator, you know, a running back's coordinator, running ga- a running game coordinator, excuse me, the running back's coach. Um, All of this doesn't matter if they don't get the quarterback, if they don't get the players, Um, but I would expect that the 2024 version of the Washington football team will be a better coached version, a more professional operation. Not a shot at Ron Rivera. He just wasn't what he was in Carolina here. It was never intended to be what it was in Carolina. All right, uh, I mentioned you-know-who. You-know-who, for uh, those of you who don't know, his first name is Kirk, and his last name is Cousins. There is a sports book that says Washington is the favorite to land Kirk Cousins in the offseason. More on that next. Kevin Sheehan the Team 980 and theteam980.com.